Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. So, uh, today is part two of a a sermon series that's going to have more parts to it. and uh, I would uh, even be willing if Pastor Caleb runs out of fruit after this to add one more message to this series as well. Because there's so much that can be said about God's heart for the lost. I mean, there's so much that can be added to this idea of what our job in this process of leading people to Jesus are. And so today I just want to, as I said, continue on, build off of last week's message. Uh, I've entitled this message, Issue One, and uh, it's God's number one issue. The the number one issue of God is the salvation of his children. It's his heart, I said last week, that none should perish, that all should come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Well, guess what? You are the mouthpiece of the Lord. You are the ones that get to share your experience, your testimony, what God has done in you to those who don't know him. How many of you were not raised in church? You were not raised in church, amen? A couple of y'all here, hands up, good. Wow, the rest of you, wow, good for you, rest of you guys. So for us six heathens that uh, were not raised in church, hallelujah. (laughs) Becoming to know Christ through not having any of that leadership and guidance in there is an amazing thing. And, and when, when God wants somebody, he goes after them. I mean, and he wants everybody, so he's going after us all, right? Would you agree with me? If that's, if that's a statement of truth, say amen. amen. He is worthy to be praised because what he has done to accomplish that drawing of people unto himself. Perfect sacrifice. The pure, spotless lamb. The one who gave his life for us when nothing else would do to restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden. To restore that intimacy that we can have with God. No longer does anyone have to go in to find that place of forgiveness of sin for the people because we can go in ourselves. It's an amazing thing that Jesus has done. So if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to go through a litany of scripture here today. And the, the, the purpose for this today is for whoever needs to be saved. Whoever needs to ask Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior, you're number one today. Without a doubt, you're number one. But everyone else in here, you are number two. Because this message, I'm wanting to transform your heart so that, as we heard last week, the evangelist Daniel Owens in an article wrote that the majority of believers will go to their grave without ever having shared their faith with another person. I break that in Jesus' name. I break that over this church and all churches in Jesus' name because we are so blessed. And when you are blessed like that, you need to share what God has done in your life. Father, today I thank and praise you for this time we have to draw together to be together as a family. Father, I thank you for those who are visiting with us that need a family. Father, I just pray that we would open our arms to them as well. Father, we're just so thankful for this opportunity to open your word because the Bible says the word of God never returns void. So I know the things that are going to be spoken, the things that are going to be read today, they are going to make an internal impact, an eternal impact on every person here today because your word is alive and well. And we're thankful for that. And so, Father, today as we work through this message, I just ask, God, that your grace, your peace, and your passion would flow into the hearts of everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In John chapter 19, or Luke chapter 19, we see the story of Zacharias. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacharias who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Who did I say? Oh, yeah. That, him too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Jeez. Allison, you and I can make up a better story than it. Okay. Then Jesus entered Jericho, or he passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. I think the other guy was in the crowd too. Who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree uh, to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry, come down, uh, for today I must stay at your house. Interesting concept here. So Jesus is doing his thing, sees a sinner, tells him that not only do I, I, I see you, I notice you. You know, so many people think nobody sees or notices them. And, and the sad thing about that is, is the truth is that God knows all of us. And I mentioned this last week, you know, the idea of Psalm 139, he knew us in our mother's womb. There isn't anyone he doesn't know. I talked to you about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that the Bible says he put eternity into the hearts of all of us. In other words, he put a heavenly GPS system in our bodies that draws us to him. And I'm going to tell you how he does that here in a minute. So he made haste, he came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, they, but when they saw it, they, how many of you love the infamous days, right? Hallelujah. All the days of the world. The Facebook days, when they saw him, when they saw it, they all complained. He's gone to uh, be a guest with a man who is a sinner. I love it. I love it. All those elect people who think that they are so pious that Jesus should just be with them. When you hear that statement, you realize these people don't get it at all, do you? I mean, our Savior is with us every day. He lives in us, dwells in us, abides in us. And the fact that he would go out looking for somebody else should trip our triggers, amen? It should make you happy. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. Wow, when Jesus comes, this is the Holy Spirit's job, right? You don't have to be the convictor. That's the Holy Spirit's job now. He is the convictor of sin. We, you know, I've told you time and time again, sinners know they're sinners. You just know in your heart that you're a sinner. And what we need to point people to is the love of the one who can save them from their sin, right? We don't need to be the convictors or the judges. We need to be the lovers of the people so that they can come. Because here's Zacchaeus. He's pouring his heart out, man. He's confessing like there's no tomorrow. He's, he's confessing like a criminal who got caught in the act, right? I love it. Because why? Because the anointed one is in his presence. And when Jesus comes into people's presence... Their life begins to change. Isn't that a good thing? And Jesus said to him, listen to this. Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Two things I want you to see here. Jesus didn't say that salvation came to Zacchaeus today, did he? What did he say? Who, what, who did salvation come to? This house. You see, when Jesus enters into the house of somebody, the other somebodies get affected by the touch that he brings to that home. When Jesus comes into the place, the dwelling place of a believer, 
He comes into the dwelling place of their home and the impact that that has, today salvation has came to your home. The second thing I want you to see is this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Man, I wish yesterday at the end of the third quarter, I would have thought of that scripture and prayed, Father, help Ohio State's defense that is lost come back into play. You didn't, you didn't think you were going to get an entire message without a little gig from yesterday. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. See, that's Jesus' purpose. And for him to see the Zacchaeuses of the world and to call them out and to come into the place where they dwell, that was his normal place that he was to be. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 with me just real quickly. What happens when Jesus comes in to the life of, 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 a, of a person? 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is the scripture that transformed who I ultimately uh, came to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, say that therefore with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. See, that's what Jesus came to make us, new creations. He came to transform the flesh of who we are into the spirit person that he has called us to be. You know, I, I thought about this a lot when I first got saved. And I, and I was about four months into my salvation, and I remember driving away from uh, Rockwell one night, and I asked God, I said, God, I mean, I, I know I said yes to you, but this thing about being a new creation, I just don't feel that. And he spoke to me and he said, how many times have you cursed since the day you got saved? See, before I got saved, you know, all of those words, they filled in the blanks in every sentence that I, that I had. No, no, no sentence was uttered without some kind of, Ex expletive in that sentence and I thought to myself oh my goodness he is transforming me literally from the inside out and it blew me away you see when Jesus enters into a house his effect is so amazing and so deep and so powerful sometimes at the beginning you don't even recognize all that's transpiring in your life and so he says if Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass away. Those old things of our life that, that, that bring us joy, those old things in our life that we think we had to hold on to, those old things that, that we, we trusted for so many years, they pass away. Why? Because behold, all things become new. We are new creations. That's what Jesus was saying to Zacharias, salvation has came into your house today. You're going to be new creations. You and everyone in this home has the opportunity to know me in that fashion. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. We're talking about Jesus and his passion and his purpose for what his mission was. So if we look at Matthew, let's start at, at uh, verse 25, Matthew 20, 25. And it says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Verse 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So many people aren't aware of the idea that there is no one that can pay a price for the forgiveness of your sin. Only Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the, the son of God who came to the earth, he came with the purpose of being a ransom for you. It's as if you owed a million dollar debt 
and you were swimming under that, you were getting ready to sink and drown under the, the significance of that debt, and there was no way, no bankruptcy court, no anyone who could save you, and somebody came along out of nowhere and, and said, what is your issue? And they, you told them, and they wrote you a check for a million dollars and got you out of that, somebody you didn't even know, somebody that was going to pay the price to transform your personal situation. See, that million dollars is just a, an ideology, but what Jesus did is way more than a million dollars. Way more than a million dollars. But when you talk about a ransom, it was as if you were a captive, you were uh, uh, in bondage, you were a hostage. When you're not in Jesus' camp, you are a hostage. And you are held captive by the devil himself. Hostage to the effects of being outside of the kingdom of God. But the good news is, is Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom. I went to the cross and died for you so that hell could not brag about its hostages. So hell would have to release what is not rightfully. Do you realize counterfeits always hold what they can't have in the, in the legal sense and form? And that's all that hell is. It's a counterfeit. And Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom that whoever calls on me, you shall be saved. You shall be removed from the bondage of hell that it cannot have authority or reign over your life ever again, ever again. He came to pay the price for your sin. Everything that was messed up, jacked up, that you had given up. He came in spite of it all, in spite of it all, to pay the price for your sin. He didn't care if you were a murderer or you were Mary Poppins. He came to give his life for every soul. Not half the souls, all the souls. This is an amazing point. And when I talked to you about, at the beginning of my last message, about how amazing God was, and I showed you joy and the healing that transpired, there is, that's, a, that's a picture of who he is. But when he heals the rotten soul that's inside of a person, that healing might not be seen as marks all over your body, but it's shown internally by what externally happens to you when Jesus transforms you. Only Jesus can do that. We cannot overlook this passage. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, he did not come to build a kingdom here on earth. He came to pay the price so that he could build a mansion for you in heavenly realms. So it's not just about these 79 years, it's about eternity. We're not talking about a short span of life. We're talking eternity. He paid the price. He gave his life as a ransom for all. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that he found my life worthy to pay a ransom. I'm sorry. I'm excited today. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. In verse 35, this text is talking about the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus. Oh, he is so compassionate. Don't ever think for a minute that you're out there somewhere suffering and he's not thinking of you. That's what the enemy would like you to, to believe. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was busy. But when he saw the multitudes, when Jesus looked over the crowd, 
He's looking over. He's, he's seeing. I'm telling you, when you do a crusade and you see three or four or 5,000 people out there, you start looking through the, at the multitudes. And you start thinking, God, they need saved. That guy needs saved. This lady needs saved. This girl is hopeless. Father, can you draw them under yourself? Jesus was looking out at the hopeless people that were assembled in that crowd and he was moved with compassion it says when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for who for them for them because they were weary how many of you would say today that one of the things you hear from everybody believers and non-believers i'm just so tired all the time well, when you're under the weight of the world and the weight of sin, it's no wonder you're tired all the time. He said he had compassion for them because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then this is what he said. He said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. That is breaks my heart a billion believers across the world but the laborers are few what 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 are we saved from and what are we saved to we're saved from the bondage of hell we're saved to life everlasting come on somebody that, that there should be something that generates something inside of us and then he says this, pray, there, therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers, laborers into his harvest. Joseph, can you put this first picture up for me? The one that I have there. I'm showing you this picture for a reason. Because there are a lot of laborers. Trust me, there are. In this last week alone, uh, last week alone, through the work that we did in Burundi the last time we were there, there are now 1,850 more people who were training as laborers in the field to carry out the harvest. And I think it's, it's incredible that you understand this. Nobody is sitting back doing nothing. We as a body, a congregation, we are moving, we are impacting, we are pressing, we are squeezing every single thing we can out of everything we have to see people's lives be transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have in our offices, we have coats that stack up to the ceiling because we're going to take those to Scottwood Elementary and we are going to give coats away to people who are coming to school, little kids with no jackets when it's 20 degrees. We are showing compassion to people everywhere that we are. We're going to have a building full of people here on December 16th that we're going to show compassion to. And I'm, I'm just going to say this to you. Take this any way you want to. You should be fighting each other to get to the list to serve on that Christmas outreach on December 16th. The masses, the multitudes are coming to us. All we've got to do is serve them. I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to seek and to save that which was lost. When he moved with compassion, he said, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Folks, this is the second. I said I'm going to speak to two people today. I'm speaking to number two. We've got to move when you can move. You've got to do when you can do. You got to speak when it's your time to speak. You got to know when God is using you. The laborers are few, but it's not because there's not many. How many of you would say amen? Turn with me to John chapter 3. This is Jesus. Okay? Jesus is 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 saying these things. I'm I'm trying to stick on just Jesus stuff right now. That's all you need anyways, Jesus stuff, right? 
In John chapter 3, this is where Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, he comes to Jesus by night and says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. And no one, this is verse 2, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's talk about the basic premise of salvation. There is a natural birth from your mother, and there is a spiritual birth from your father. A natural birth that brings us into this world. God puts the GPS inside all of our hearts, and then when he draws us to himself, that's our time to make the connection. And Nicodemus is confused. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit. You, you need to be water baptized. You need to be filled with the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and will remain flesh. And if it lives for flesh, it will die as flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that to you, that you must be born again. Then we move a few verses down into verse 16. Uh, well, let's do 15. That, uh, well, let's do 14. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, the son of man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God did not send, listen to this, this is so good. We, we do 316, but never 317, and 317 is so powerful. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. He, he's, he's a lover of souls. He did not send his son into the world to condemn. You know what? The world's good enough at condemning itself. It doesn't need any other condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who love Christ. Right? Is that not true? He didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, what? Might be saved. So what's our role in all of this? Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. This is one more Jesus thought. And I, actually I have two more Jesus thought. Verse 27, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. I, I just want you to know. This cost Jesus a lot. This cost Jesus a lot. I mean, this cost Jesus a lot. And he was beaten to a pulp. We all know that. Crown of thorns. Uh, we all know that. Strip. Uh, we all know that. My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Wow. Jesus is saying, this isn't for my encouragement, although I just said, Father, uh, my soul is troubled. He said, this is for you. It's all for you. Everything Jesus always says is it's all for you. Now there is judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And Jesus said, and I, if I am, the I am, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. Look with me at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, let's go verses 10 
through 12. When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, this is the, the woman who was accused of adultery. He's so smooth. Jesus is so smooth. I just love him. I can just see him just chilling. They got, he's got this raucous crowd of men, testosterone's flying everywhere. He's got this woman in front of him, and Jesus is just listening to them all scream. And he's just sitting, doing the Jesus thing. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? He said, you with no sin cast the first stone. What happened? They all dropped and left. You see, when Jesus is the one saying, you with no sin, there was an anointing there that these guys, even in all their testosterone, had to drop their stones. And she said, no one, Lord, come on now. This is a woman, a sinner. Guys were bringing her there to confront her sin in front of everybody to make a fool of her and then stone her because they were so righteous. And Jesus said, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I, 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 I read that for a purpose. Guys, we are all sinners. And we, we have a hard time even using the word sin because that's like, oh, don't say sin. Don't call people sinners. You're going to make them uncomfortable. Then they're not going to feel welcomed here. And then they're not going to want to come back. Look, we are all sinners. All of us. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. If we can't face the fact of being sinners, then we can't get the redemption that our lives are due, right? I mean, my wife, I mean, she's big on this. You need to confess that you are a sinner. Because the one who paid the price is not condemning you for that sin. He's dying for that sin. Come on now. Where are your condemners? You know, so many people sit in churches all over the world and they feel condemnation. They, they roll into the church and they feel condemned from the hits. I'm so glad that's not Redeemer's testimony. I'm so glad that's not who we are. And then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See, that's who Jesus is. He's, he, he paid a ransom. He, he didn't come to, to be served. He came to give his life. He said, if I be lifted up from the word, Father, it, I'm in this perplexing situation, but if you remove me, then my purpose cannot be fulfilled to its ultimate destiny. And so where are we in all of this? Turn with me to John chapter 15. Are y'all ready to see where we are in this? We good? All right, we good. I like that. Okay. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking and saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, listen to this, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Listen, when you're in grafted into Jesus. Number one, every nutrient you need to grow to be what God has called you to be is in that engrafting. There is nothing that you can't get. The sustenance of what you need is in that engrafting. But listen, there's more for us to do. There's more for us to learn. There's more things we have to die to. And because you are engrafted into that, then you are going to be pruned. And sometimes pruning can be painful, but it's necessary. Why? Because when you, if you never prune an apple tree, it'll spit out apples for a little while. And then what, what keeps the apple tree from bearing fruit is all of the suckers. All of the branches that grow and they don't produce anything, but what they do is they suck the life out of that tree and then the production of that tree doesn't happen to the place 
that it should because everything's sucking the life out of it. We as believers, we get the honor of being pruned, even when it's painful. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what happens to that person? Uh, is it up there? I am the vine. Read this out loud with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. How many of y'all want to glorify the Lord? Amen? Can, can anybody say amen? I want to glorify the Lord. I want to... I, what, what, the Bible says without faith, it's what? Impossible to please him. I want to please God. By, my, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. One of the things that is a mark of a disciple is that you are bearing kingdom fruit. I mean, it's just, I'm sorry, that's just a fact that is a marker of being a disciple, is bearing fruit. Show the second picture, if you would, Joseph. This last trip to Mexico, we went into, around the corner, into an Italian restaurant, the Italian restaurant in Mexico. We have Chinese restaurants in America, okay? So don't think it, this, this restaurant was, was it was a great place. So we rolled in there the first night. The guy on the right is named Pedro, and the lady on the left is named Candy. And so we started to eat there, and then we, Pedro came out. He owns a restaurant, and I said to him, Pedro, your food was amazing. This is an incredible place. We just loved being here. It was peaceful. It was wonderful. Can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And he, Oscar's translating. And so I asked him, I said, do you have Jesus Christ living in your heart? And Pedro dropped his head and quickly brought it back up. And he said, I've heard this question several times before. I, 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 I will answer you today basically and say, no, I haven't. Jesus is not in my heart. I know who he is. And I said, well, Pedro, look, I said, God brought us here to eat at your restaurant it for a purpose there's a uh, hundred restaurants in Comey Tom within our walking distance and we could have went to any of them and I said but God loves you so much because he knows that you're in crossroads and so he said you're right basically he wasn't going to argue with me so I said he said I said can we come back tomorrow he said we're closed tomorrow and I said we will be back the next day that's the last day we're here and we are going to come and eat at your restaurant, and we're going to pick up this conversation. He said, that's wonderful. So two days later, we came back. It was massively inconvenient, but we made the time. We were doing our due, graduations, conferences, and all that kind of stuff. So we came back in there, and Pedro and actually Joseph and Oscar were the ones who actually got to, to, to close the deal. Because we don't have to close every deal, right? So anyway, so Pedro said, I knew you guys would be coming back. I knew you would come back. You guys, I knew you guys would come back. I knew you were serious. And he said he had had a motorcycle accident a couple months or years ago. Joseph, you can help me with the timing on that. But he had a motorcycle accident. It was a very bad accident. And he was confronted with his mortality at that time. And apparently people had shared the gospel with him, and he said no. Well, this time he said yes. And so Pedro asked Jesus to come into his heart. So Candy is behind the counter, 
and then she pops out and she said, can I have some of that too? <laughs> she said, can you guys pray for me too? Because when Zacchaeus, I came to your house today. And then what was happening? So we said, absolutely. So uh, we prayed with, with Candy and she accepted the Lord as well. And so what, is, what, what happened here? It's, it was my opportunity to bear fruit. And it was just started by a simple conversation. Pedro, do you have Jesus? Uh, you know, I try my best Spanish. Is Jesucristo in your corazón? They know, even in my messed up Spanish, they know what I'm saying. And just, just that opening up the conversation made a huge difference and impact. Show the second picture here. Uh, this is uh, in um, so many places, Makamba uh, in Burundi. This, Tammy's ministering to this lady. Uh, she came up in the middle of the service and fell at the pastor's feet, and she said, I'm demonically possessed. Why don't you come up here and share this? You can share better than me. So I know you don't like that, but. It, it intrigued me right away because the pastor was done. He had prayed with her, and she didn't leave. So then four ladies came up. And, and he was done. He was done. Right. You could tell he was done. He knew that we needed to move on. He needed his schedule to be fulfilled. <laughs> and so um, four ladies came up and took her out. And I leaned over at Dwight while she was still there. I leaned over and said, I feel like something's going on. I want to go with them if they take her out. And so they did, and, and I went out with them. And I don't know how much you want me to share, but this lady was, was depressed. She was not demon possessed. Why was she, she depressed? Was oppressed. She was oppressed. Her husband had decided he wanted a second wife. And so he um, had called in um, a witch doctor and started praying against her. And um, I have a translator translating this, and she was devastated because she said, I could not stay in that town any longer because of everything that the witch doctor was cursing me with. She had six children. She didn't look more than 19 as it is. But the Lord had, um, th there was a divide there. But they were both believers in the church, but her husband just had this great idea that he needed another woman. And she could not deal with it. It devastated every fiber within her body that she had to share her husband and had six kids. So she had to flee where she was going because there was torment. She said it was mentally unbearable. But God had really, she had realized in that moment that I can't live in this oppression any longer. I needed Jesus. She knew she needed Jesus, and we got to pray for her, and there was a, a level of freedom that she got because she was separated from her six children because he didn't want them. Where she was going was to stay with an uncle who would not allow her six children to come there, but God wanted to move mightily in her life, and, and he did. There was a level of freedom, and, and that's just the goodness of God. And so what... What the reason I showed that is, is because wherever, whenever, you know how many people, I'm glad you shared that because I was going to share, the pastor was done. It didn't fit in the program. And I knew when my wife leaned over, it's like, she ain't caring a lick about his program. She's caring about this lady. And I knew she was back in the back giving the, the devil the one-two, and, and I knew this, this, if you would have saw this lady's countenance after this ministry, it was night and day. Listen, what is inside of us believers is something that can transform the destiny of any person that comes across our pathway. We don't have just anything. We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and that's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and it raised this woman into a different place of destiny. It took Pedro and Candy and put them into eternity. This is what, this is what we can do. Listen, I wasn't in a pulpit in Comitán. I was in a restaurant. So don't say, well, Pastor, you get to preach, to, so you can do that. And so, see, we're not like you. 
you, none of y'all go out to eat? None of y'all buy gasoline? None of y'all do the do? None of y'all live life? Life is happening out there, and us believers, we can transform destinies. We can transform destinies. Last scripture. And I'm telling you, this message could go on and on and on, because this is what Jesus came to do, was to change destinies. Second Corinthians chapter 4, if you would turn with me there, in your iPhones, your uh, Samsungs, your whatevers, I'm going to say it one more time, we need to have a Bible, it smells so good, it smells, you know what my Bible smells like, I don't know what yours smells like, mine smells like fresh bread, mm. I don't know about you, but bread is my nemesis. Especially with it's lathered with a bunch of honey butter. Verse 7. Okay, this is, this is life, okay? This is my last scripture. This is life. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You read from one yourself. We have this treasure in these earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We've got a power that lives inside of us in spite of us. That's good. That's like the rain falls mainly in the plain in Spain or whatever. But we have that power in us in spite of us. We are hard-pressed, Pastor, on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. Yet we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We're always carrying about, listen to this, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. What does that mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked. The word manifested there means to make known what has been hidden. <laughs> we have inside of us that which we can make known that has been hidden. Hidden to who? To the one we're in front of that doesn't know Jesus. Why, why is that? Because the enemy places a veil over the eyes and the ears. Some of you uh, have used this line, I can't believe how stupid these people are. Why can't they see it? It's a spiritual warfare thing. They can't see it because they're being blinded and their ears are being deafened to the message. But you have inside of you the power of the death of Jesus Christ that you've embraced in his suffering so that his life may be manifest in your body. Woo! You have the opportunity to make known what has been hidden. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. To reveal. These are other meanings of manifest. To reveal. Now listen to this. To uncover and bring forth. To uncover and to bring forth. This is what we have the ability to do. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, now listen, I believed and therefore I what? No, half of y'all didn't even, you can't even speak the spoke. Let's read this out loud. I believed and therefore I spoke. Keep reading. We also believed and therefore speak. Speak. Therefore I speak. Put the last picture up there. The last picture. There are so many people that are wandering through life they're just waiting for somebody to speak just waiting for somebody to speak 
This is in our last trip to Africa. I don't know, four, five, six hundred. It's hard to tell how many when they're packed in that tightly. And Bobby, this is what it's all about right here, man. It doesn't get any better than that. So all that other stuff that the money went for, that's great. But how much was one of these souls worth? And when you guys put money into this stuff, this is your reward. This is your return on investment. And we've, we've got to get to the place to where we're, we're looking for a return on investment every place that we are. Every place that we go, that we're looking for a return on our investment. Now, yes, this is a perk of mine. And yes, you all might not be standing in front of a crowd of a thousand getting to share the gospel. But you know my message that day was this. I said, it's just simple. I'm sitting there asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach? And he said, I want you to tell them just how simple this is to ask Jesus to be their, their, their Savior. And that's what I preached. And the Holy Spirit just guided me through the message. It was amazing. It wasn't me. It was him. Because I was touched, therefore I spoke. I, I, I'm speaking now, therefore you must speak. This is now up to you to speak. We have so much to share. One day I hope you all get to see this because when, you see, when you're a part of that, it messes you up. And you become, I, I don't like to use the word addicted. What would be a better what would be a better word? Because that's the only thing I could think of. I don't go to Burundi ever where Isaiah doesn't set up a crusade for, for us. Because I am um, trance compelled. I know I'm addicted. But anybody got a better word? Huh? What? Consumed. I like that. Another word? Attracted. What was your word? You don't remember? Okay. Passionate. What? Anybody else got another word for like when you just can't stop? You got to do it. What? Taken over. Obsessed. Huh? Yeah. You're in awe. You're what? Zealous. Any? Any? Would you stand with me today? Listen to me. All of those words that were just spoken out, the kingdom needs that to be you. It needs to, it, the kingdom needs that to be you. There are broken people everywhere around us. I talked about family. We all got broken families. I, ain't none of you that ain't got a story about that messed up family member. God bless you, the ones who don't. God bless you. But for the rest of us, we, we, we move outside of our homes every day, and we walk by messed up people every day. We work with them. We shop with them. We, we live by them. They don't have to remain that way. And I have a simple request. Any of you today who would say, Pastor, I want to lead somebody to Jesus, I want you to come right now and fill this altar. Or one of you, any of you, just one. I don't care if it's just one because one life will be transformed. If you would say, Pastor, I want to lead somebody to the Lord. I want, don't look around, don't look to the left or the right, this is about you. You say, Pastor, I, I, I hear your message. I want, I want to lead somebody to the Lord. Who else? Who wants to come? Nancy and Marlene, you guys bless me, man. When, when are you too mature to lead somebody to Christ? Hallelujah. Somebody make, make room for the queen. Hallelujah. 
and say, Pastor, I want to lead somebody to the Lord. Now, I am going to say this. For those of you who are looking on here, I want this to motivate you. I want you to see, see, my buddies, my, my friends, they're all up here. Maybe they could walk with me. Maybe they could help me do this. So one more time, any of you who would like to lead somebody to the Lord, I'm going to pray for you that God would give you a divine appointment. And I'm, I, I want to hear about what he does. Now, before I pray for you, is there anyone in this sanctuary today or those of you who are watching us online and you would say, Pastor, I need to either recommit my life or to ask Jesus in my life for the first time. If that's you, just let me see a show of hands. Now that you know how much Jesus loves you, how much he cares for you, who would say I need to ask Jesus into my heart? Anybody here today? Well, for those of you who are watching, I know there's some of you out there that need to ask Jesus into your heart. It's easy to do. You just open your heart and confess you're a sinner. Say, Jesus, I've sinned. Ask him to forgive you, and he will forgive you. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Thank him for going to the cross for you. That ransom he paid, he paid for you. For the rest of us here, just lift your hands up. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person who's assembled here because they want to make issue one, issue one. Father, I thank you, God, for those who uh, uh, want to say, I'm going to step out. Maybe I've never done it, but by golly, I want to try. I pray that you would anoint them in Jesus' name, that the words that they speak, they would be words that draw the broken, that the words that they share would not be words that condemn, but they would be words that give life. Father, I thank you, God, for each person assembled here who wants to not just walk through life, but they want to see life. They want to experience life. They want to have life transformed right before them. And so, Father, I thank you for each soul that is gathered here that has said, you've done so much for me, God, now I want to do something for you. So, Father, I break the back of fear of man in Jesus' name. I crush the spirit of fear in Jesus' name over each one of these people who are gathered in this altar who uh, have been unable to share just because of that fear. We break it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray a spirit of freedom upon each person who is gathered in this altar today. A spirit of freedom that would just enable them to just, without uh, fear or trepidation, without any holding back, that they would recognize an opportunity and they would just jump in with both feet. Give them the freedom to share words that break yokes and set captives free. Father, I thank you for each person who is up here today who has stood out in front of all of their peers and said, I want to join together with these people, with this part of the family, and I want to be a kingdom person who says yes to my opportunities. So, Father, I pray for divine appointments between now and Christmas Day for everyone who is gathered here that this would not be an unending, let's hope three years from now. No, let's hope that 30 days from now, that each one of these people get the opportunity to share their faith and to change somebody's eternity. Oh, Lord. Let every place in which their foot shall tread, that you would give it unto them. Let all those who rise up against them, may they fall. Let the enemy who has a veil over the eyes and ears of those that they will minister to, let the veils be removed and let the truth be spoken. Let healings occur. Let prophetic ministry happen. Let the giftings of the Holy Spirit just flow through these people as they step out into this greatest battlefield, the battle of the souls of men. And so, Father, I thank you for every person who's in this altar who said yes to the opportunity 
to share their faith. And Father, we just thank you for each and every one of them. And I'll be so excited to hear their testimonies. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.